strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. This is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. The recent release of Sound of Freedom movie has shaken box offices across the country. In the weeks following its release, Sound of Freedom has made more money domestically than Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, both releasing the same weekend. It might not surprise you to hear that Hollywood wasn't thrilled about the release of this anti-child trafficking film. In fact, Sound of Freedom was completed in 2018 by director Alejandro Montevedra, and only after jumping through every hoop possible was he able to get this chilling depiction in theaters. It took him five years. For those of you who haven't gotten the chance to watch, Angel Studios put together an incredibly accurate depiction of what child trafficking really looks like. Following the true story of Tim Ballard, formerly a Homeland Security special agent and founder of the nonprofit Operation Underground Railroad, Sound and Freedom captures the dark realities of buying and selling God's children and how the United States is fueling this problem. Joining us today to weigh into the important issue of human trafficking is Dr. Rebecca Munson, Department Chair for Government and Public Policy at Liberty University. Rebecca oversees Liberty's doctoral program in public policy and teaches a range of courses on international relations, foreign policy, human rights, and research methods. She is currently working on a book delving into the U.S. foreign policy and human trafficking. So, Dr. Becky, it is so great to have you here with us. You know, the whole country, uh, for the most part, is really leaning into this issue of the of sex trafficking as we should. And I've been down this road before. I've worked on this issue for many years. In fact, uh, this issue of sexual exploitation is one of seven core issues for Concerned Women for America. And it's been part of the, the many things that I have leaned into over my career probably now for 25 years. Um, I was actually part of the effort that created the Trafficking in Persons Office at um, the State Department. Now we get the tip report. We know which countries are the worst offenders. But, you know, public opinion and, and public focus changes depending on what's happening and what's in the news. And it's, it's the same with the issue of sex trafficking. But I believe we have a moment here. Tell me how you got interested in the issue and, you know, how you came about working on this important issue. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Penny. It's an honor to be here. And, you know, like a lot of people, I was really struck by this issue, just the, and disgusted by it, really. So I was interested in what I could do with the skills I already had 
to uh, contribute towards the fight against trafficking. And um, when I was working on my doctoral degree, I had a chance to work at the International Justice Mission. And they're a big international uh, Christian anti-trafficking yes. organization based out of Arlington. And, um, and, you know, also human trafficking is one of these rare issues where there's a lot of bipartisan support. That's right. And so I've also, yeah, I've also been attracted to, to issues um, that, that are like that. So um, I learned so much about the nature and scope of trafficking when I was at uh, the International Justice Mission, and it really impacted uh, the directions I chose to take my research when I was completing my dissertation and my doctoral degree. Um, so I've been following that that path since then, and um, this is an issue that cannot receive too much attention. So I'm really glad that we're talking about it today. Well, and so what we know is it's very hard to nail down the numbers. And for some odd reason, um, the left has, has decided to quibble over numbers. We don't know what the numbers are. We know that labor trafficking is part of human trafficking, and we know sex trafficking is part of that. And so those numbers are in the millions. Um, it has been estimated that there's 40.3 million modern slaves today. And that this is a number from International Labor Organization and that one in four of those are children. And often, even if it's a labor, which is evil, by the way, um, it, yeah. it's, it, that happens more often, but often labor victims are also used as sex victims because they have zero power. Um, but I have a, you know, and so in the film, it says, and this is, I know this to be true because of the experts that I've worked with over the years, that while the U.S. is not the top originator of child sex slaves, although in some cases we are, and often it comes from inner city gangs, like they prostitute and abuse children, and it's part of just their overall, um, you know, marketing and things they sell along with drugs but it's usually the united states who is the end user whether it's through pornography that is um, being you uh, made and distributed of children of child pornography and also even and real children shipped in from other countries do you have any insight into that and how that works yeah, you're right. The numbers are are really disputed, and that's because this crime, you know, occurs in darkness, and it's right. hard to really to really get good estimates on on what kind of activities are occurring where. Some of the best data. I'm glad you mentioned the trafficking in persons report earlier. Some of the the best data is in that report, and that report shows that in about 115,000 victims were identified in 2022 across the world. So that's all countries combined, that's sex trafficking, that's labor trafficking. That is data that, that I'm often comfortable uh, pointing towards and using because the, the trafficking report is widely regarded as sort of the gold standard for data right. when it comes to trafficking. So um, yes, the labor trafficking certainly comprises a large uh, portion uh, proportion of those numbers. Some estimates have labor trafficking as, as much as orders. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, you know, we talk so much about uh, women and girls caught in sex trafficking uh, situations, but men are often caught in the labor trafficking situations. And some estimates have uh, put men as primary victims of, of trafficking, human trafficking as a whole. Um, so it really depends on what sources you're looking at. You're going to get different estimates. 
I think the main point is, you know, uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. the numbers are. Quibbling over that type of uh, these statistics can really, I think, distract us sometimes mm-hmm. from uh, from from putting our energy in places that would be much That's better right. spent. That's right. A hundred percent. That's true. And, you know, again, we've been working on this for a long time. Bill Clinton is the actual president who signed the legislation that created the department and the and the department that was the, the one to track human trafficking at state. He didn't fund it, though. It was actually George W. Bush with and again, through the um, advocacy at Concerned Women for America, who actually funded the office and then raised it to an ambassadorship level. So we've been having these reports come out every year, every year they come out, faithfully they come out. And certainly people like um, International Justice Mission and, you know, people that are with Homeland Security and others, they care about this issue. But at the end of the day, I don't see it changing. I mean, I think that we are still at a situation where we've made some some changes around the edges. We've brought it to the forefront. I took a moment, um, Becky, to look into the legislation that right now is uh, in in. in has already been introduced on Capitol Hill. Um, there's something called the Trafficking Persons um, Earn It Act, which is by Lindsey Graham, that would establish a national commission on online sexual exploitation prevention. Another commission, great. Um, and I, I love Lindsey Graham, by the way, and I know his heart is right, but that's unsatisfying, should I say. Um, there's something called Stop Traffickers and Accomplices Act, which is by Ted Budd. And then we require abortion clinics to report if a suspect, if they sus- suspect a patient is a victim of human trafficking. And by the way, that happens. We know it happens. We have actually have footage of someone posing as a trafficker and that it, the whole idea was being the, the victim was um, going to be receiving an abortion and without any reporting. We know that that's, that's the case and that's important. And then Josh Hawley has something called the In Scam Act, where um, everyone can notice and take down distribution of child sexual abuse. All of these are good, right? Every one of these, I think, have a place, but it's it's just a little piece of the puzzle. I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts on where we can really make a difference. Again, I'm, a, I'm tired of nibbling around the edges of this problem, and I think we have to go bigger on it. So I'd love just your thoughts, Becky, as an expert on where you think we should go as a country on this next. Absolutely. Uh, it's such a complicated issue to address and you have to have a multi-pronged approach to effectively address it. So let me start with what the United States is doing internationally. That's what my research tends to focus on. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've already mentioned your work in helping to create the State Department's Trafficking in Persons Office. That office uh, from, from uh, my research has done tremendous work over the past few decades to motivate other countries to fight human trafficking and to comply with the anti-trafficking standards that are uh, uh, in the UN uh, Palermo Protocol, which mirror the standards in the US uh, Trafficking Victims Protection Act. So uh, over the last, since since 2001, when the office um, emerged, the trafficking office, the State Department has been 
grading countries on how well they comply with these international standards. And they will provide incentives for countries to perform better, and they will sanction countries that are not performing well. And if you take a close look at the national uh, anti-trafficking records of countries around the world, and I've focused mostly on the countries in my research of uh, Mexico, Nicaragua, and the Dominican Republic, you can see real improvements in government responses to the trafficking problem when they're under pressure from the State Department. So I think in some ways, uh, this, this the State Department, not in some ways, in many ways, the State Department is a, a bit of an unsung hero here. That's good. I'm glad because, to hear that. Yes, the U.S. is is willing to actually put its might behind its, you know, its its economic might behind its its word here on and its commitments to fight trafficking internationally. You don't see uh, many other powerful actors doing that at the international stage. It really has been the U.S. that has led the charge internationally because they've been willing to back up their commitments with economic uh, might. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, about this, about about how we can address trafficking. We can support the State Department in those efforts. And we can also encourage uh, our State Department officials to follow through on sanctioning countries that are on that blacklist in the trafficking persons report. Uh, there's a lot of incentives for policymakers to not follow through on issuing those sanctions. But my research right. shows that. <laughs> yes, there's that, which I have I have watched and been privy to, you know, over the years, because what I my concern has been that and, and what I've observed is although the report comes out and it is a good report and the team that works on that are solid, They're but amazing. the overall State Department really doesn't want to um, go down to bare knuckles uh, sanctions and diplomacy uh, because truthfully they have other fish to fry and this is one issue among many and um, and you know I guess what I have come to is it is one of the most important issues right this is this is abject evil and I'm wondering whether it's time for us to really beef up those sanctions. I don't know, but let me, you go ahead and finish your list. And then I'd love to have you, you know, lean into that thought. Sure. Well, so that's, that's one thing you can consider if you're, if you're wanting to, to help in this fight, pressuring uh, Washington to follow through on mm-hmm. sanctioning some of these countries. There are so many other things though, that, that people can be doing to, to get in this fight and make a difference, um, especially Christians, you know, who are called mm-hmm. to care for the oppressed. Christians can, uh, you know, uh, not just reflect on what they've accomplished in the past by working across the aisle and through coalitions, broad coalitions with with folks you know, from uh, feminists, progressives. There's been there have been these uh, wonderful coalitions that have put. Uh, human trafficking issues on the U.S. agenda in the first place. I think uh, people should reflect on how effective those coalitions have been in the past and work very hard to preserve that type of cooperation. Um, Christians should work very hard to keep the fight against trafficking a bipartisan one. And every 
anybody needs to resist using human trafficking as a stage for culture wars. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, you know, to, to see culture wars play out. There's a, there's a big uh, uh, tendency now that's growing for different groups to use human trafficking as a stage for them to advance uh, their political agenda on, on a wide range of topics. And that needs to stop. Human Can, give me an example of that. I'd like to know how that works, because I, I just mentioned abortion, which is certainly a culture war issue, but it's actually relevant. And then, of course, pornography. What would what, how, what would you think is like inappropriate? Well, you know, I, I applaud uh, every every U.S. president's efforts uh, to right. fight this, this challenge. So I don't want to. uh create any, you know, uh, sort of uh, be hypocritical in, in, in what I'm saying here about the importance of this remaining bipartisan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the Biden administration, we have seen them start to use language in some of the uh, human trafficking related uh, statements that they've issued that might start to kind of blur into some of their agendas with, uh, you know, gender and things like that, that conservatives will find hard to swallow. Oh, interesting. So the LGBTQ agenda is being mixed in. Gosh, I just hate it when that happens. It was being mixed into like this very bipartisan, important issue as a way to put points on the board for, you know, their actual ideology in that area versus just playing it straight and just trying to get to the bottom of the issue. Yeah, it's really a, a sticky topic because so many folks from the LGBTQ plus community are victims of trafficking. Mm-hmm. So there is certainly space there for us sure. to, to talk about that. 100%. But everybody, everybody has to be very careful and very thoughtful in how they talk about human trafficking to make sure that this ground kind of remains sacred and we have space for broad agreement and our fight against trafficking doesn't get diluted into us fighting over mm. over questions that are better fought in other areas. That's interesting. And I agree with you. I mean, I listen, I think Planned Parenthood and CWA should be able to agree that no trafficking victim should be given an abortion and then sent off to the with the trafficker to be abused again. Like I think everybody should be able to agree with that. I you know, again, CWA believes that pornography harms women and harms the hearts of the the people who consume it, you, mostly men. But I think everybody, and there's people that disagree about that. They're radical First Amendment people. But surely we all agree. We all agree that little children should never be abused in order to create pornography, but it happens. And images of children, even if they're not real children, are created as an effort to feed that like evil appetite appetite for for child abuse that should never be okay and i think both sides should be able to agree on that right and gosh if if joe biden wants to be a hero on this i'll be the first one to throw him a party i mean this has to end and any you know i would love it love it if merrick garland would step up to the microphone tomorrow and say then i have a lot going on at our Justice Department. And a lot of important things are happening at our Justice Department. 
department. But I today am going to prioritize the fight against the abuse of children, sexual abuse of children, whether it's their images or whether it's their actual child in real time. Because even if it's an image, there was an abuse that happened to make the image, right? And so today, I'm going to take this on as a top priority for the U.S. Justice Department. I mean, wouldn't you be so happy? I mean, I would be so happy to partner and to actually take that on, to work alongside and encourage our prosecutors around the country to prosecute these mostly men who are consuming this child pornography that is being sent by other countries. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, you just shared so much that there's so much to go off of. I, one thing that comes to mind uh, as you were talking is is the episode you did on this podcast a few a few episodes back with Teresa from the from the PAAU. Mm-hmm. You know, your your conversation with her is a model for how all conversations should be about human trafficking, mm-hmm. where differences are set aside and there is camaraderie and tremendous uh, uh, excitement about partnering to fight these issues. Uh, something else you mentioned, you know, with the with the um, you know child pornography. This is another another thing that Christians can do and people uh, people in general can do to help fight trafficking. We need to be pressuring big tech to use mm. their technological capabilities to identify and crack down on pedophilia because that's right. So much of human trafficking that incur that occurs internally in countries and a lot of it is internal. Um, and, and here in the United States, so many victims first encounter their trafficker through social media or through another online uh, you know, avenue. So big tech, they can make a big difference. And what a way for them to help build trust. That's right. With That's the right. Public. And that's been an issue that Senator Josh Hawley has really been working on. And and what we have and, and people you hear people talk about Section 230 and Section 230 is a part of the Communication Act that basically holds harmless companies that are, you know, the host companies companies, they call themselves like the pipe for the information that goes through, but they're very careful to say, we have no idea what's passing through um, our platform. Like we just, we just host the platform. We're the pipe. We're, we're innocent. But what we know now, maybe that started out that way, but today that is not the case. Today, these companies have so much data. I mean, they know what, what, product I was looking at on the grocery store shelf, right? They know what, if I was looking at a J crew dress and suddenly all these dresses show up, you know, on my, uh, as an ad, they have so much power and ability that it is just flat out a joke for them to pretend they have no ability to actually be involved in this. And so I love what you're saying. You're right. This is a way for that lost um, respect that we have for these social media companies to be built back by them being good citizens and protecting the least of these. And while I know there has been some efforts and there's been some work, not near enough is done. And I agree with Josh Hawley. If you're host to a sexual predator that's using your product to hurt children, then I actually think you're liable for that, at least financially. Mm, Yeah. Great points. And yes, I hope that we see progress on this issue with big tech. They certainly have the capacity to use their influence and their their incredible power, really, 
for, for good and to protect kids. Um, so there are so many things that, that Christians can be doing and, and folks around the world can be doing to, to participate in the fight against sex trafficking. And of course, you know, one of the, one of the, um, uh, traditional ways is by supporting a, an advocacy group, an advocacy organization. It is important to know which ones are producing concrete results before you give your money. But That's these right. advocacy groups, and there's so many of them now that you can choose from, um, they are doing their best to keep the issue of trafficking on the government's agenda uh, here in the U.S. and on government agendas across the world. You know, I, I talk a lot about governments when I talk about the fight against trafficking, because in my view, it really is usually a political will problem, right? Because you have to have a law enforcement response. You have to have the judicial system holding traffickers to account. That's right. The trafficking problem to get pushed back. So governments have tremendous responsibility and tremendous control over stopping this problem. So find advocacy groups that are targeted in that in those effective ways and, and encourage their work, foster their work, but also realize typically the buck stops with the government. So mm -hmm. that's why I mentioned the importance of supporting the State Department's trafficking and persons office at the you know earlier in our conversation because they really are, doing so much to pressure other governments on this issue that nobody else is is willing to do. That's right. Um, I know, you know, listen, we're human beings. Law enforcement sometimes does a good job and sometimes people fail. I know you even had some concerns with, you know, even within our own government, there'd been an issue with Homeland Security. What, what was that about? Yeah, Back in 2018, um, Homeland Security Investigations, which is the U.S.'s uh, leading anti-trafficking federal law enforcement agency, and it's the agency you see spotlighted in the Sound of Freedom movie as well. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, a group of agents in Western Arizona were paying for sex acts with victims under the guise of collecting evidence for their <laughs> investigation. Oh it was a horrific story and, and and it led to the whole case falling falling apart federal you know charges had to be dropped because the agency refused to let its agents testify in court after their misconduct was brought to light there were supervisors who signed off on those nefarious quote investigative techniques and none of these agents were really um held accountable for their actions. So um, it's important for people to hold our federal agencies to account. When there is misconduct, we must deal with it right. appropriately because, you know, just one bad apple can rot That's the right. whole barrel. That's and right. HSI, they do wonderful work, not just in the United States, they do wonderful work in other countries. I highlight their work uh, in my book chapter uh, on Mexico. They really helped the Mexican, go Mexican government for several years improve their response to human trafficking. But when we see that misconduct, we've got to be honest about it and we've got to address it because HSI really is the human trafficking victim's best hope mm -hmm. in many, 
any places and we don't want their integrity to, mm. be, to go down the drain. That, that um, breach of trust is just devastating. And actually we knew that happened, you know, years ago, the scandal came out with the UN, you, the UN quote unquote peacekeepers down in the Congo were abusing women and trading sex for food. I mean, we are broken human beings. If we ever doubted it, we just have to look, you know, within our own ranks. But I, I agree with you. The vast majority of the people in the U S who are working on this are good people and really trying hard there are some great organizations that you mentioned, International Justice Mission, who do rescues. I know about Shared Hope International, my friend Linda Smith, who she's doing um, aid for women once they come out of trafficking, because then all of a sudden now you have this victim where do they go? What do they do? Many of them are not welcome back in their own home villages. You know, in some cases, some of them are HIV positive at this point and need a lot of health care. And so it's a it's an in, important issue. Uh, we worked here in the U.S. on the rights of victims once they were actually found. We weren't in, just going to um, send them back, you know, to their home country where they could be abused again. We actually had uh, real teeth in the law to actually create an effort for them that shockingly, not really shockingly, that some people tried to abuse that system, you know, um, it, it, for immigration purposes. Um, but, you know, we have made a lot of progress in a way here in the U.S. But again, you know, maybe it's like drug abuse. There's always going to be some part of that that's still here. But, you know, I really feel that there is, we're at this moment that we need to like grab hold of and, and move forward in a way that like we've never before. And so I am just at this moment, Becky, announcing that Concerned Women for America is starting a new campaign that we're call, calling the New Abolition Movement. We are the wow. new abolitionists. We must have zero tolerance for this issue. And we need to start on our home, own home shores. And so I look forward to working with a member of Congress. This is so new. I don't even have the language written, but we're going to. And I am looking forward to a member of Congress introducing the Jeffrey Epstein Act. You know, Jeffrey Epstein was in the United States. He was down in Miami. He was caught abusing children. He had uh, an accomplice, much like the woman in the movie, The Sound of uh, Freedom. Uh, people know her name now, Jesslyn Maxwell. And she served him the same way the woman trafficker did in that movie. She would meet young girls and befriend them and take them out for, for ice cream or to the movies and find out where their weaknesses were, what they were struggling with. And she would use it to coerce them into a sexual relationship that she would groom them into with Jeffrey Epstein. And when they caught him in Miami, instead of the um, Department of Justice charging him with sex, child sex trafficking, because he moved those kids, those little girls around the world. He had an island. He had him on his plane. He was in every way possible a sex trafficker. And he shared them with other people who I am pretty sure the name, the complete name, the complete list is not even out. And I will continue to push for that someday 
to come out. Um, but we know that very powerful men accompanied him to that island where he was abusing children. But the Department of Justice did not at, did chose for whatever reason not to prosecute. I talked to people who were involved in that case, and they said at the time the victims weren't ready to come forward. They didn't know if they could actually be successful. And then in the day, he ended up, they didn't prosecute. He ended up, uh, they knocked down the charges. He ended up only serving 30 days in the county jail. And all he did was he'd come and sleep there at night. He got out for work release in, during the day. It was the most horrific thing. And then, of course, history tells us he went to New York. He left Florida, went to New York and continued the very same behavior. And more, more young girls were hurt because of it. Um, what if he had been caught? and prosecuted at that moment in Florida? What if he had gone to prison back then, back in Florida, then, you know, some many girls would have been spared. So I truly believe this is the new abolition movement of our time. There can be zero tolerance. I think that anyone that is prosecuted with having child pornography or abusing a child should go to life, go to prison for life. There should be no ability for them to ever get back out. I also know because I, my husband and I both have been involved in prison ministry over the years. I worked for Prison Fellowship for Chuck Colson, and so did my husband, that the most difficult people to um, actually to, to minister to, to have true changes in their life, to be, someday be healthy citizens are people who are sexual predators. That is like this, this evil that truly God can save and change. But my, my thing is, well, in prison, they can come to the Lord because prison churches exist and thrive inside. We can't take risks again. I, I truly believe we need to work with the federal government. We need to actually level sanctions against countries that are continuing to tolerate, that are not doing enough. And we need to have zero tolerance in our own shores. What are your thoughts? I absolutely agree that pedophiles should go to prison for life. I think that should be a minimum. A, mi a standard <laughs> minimum it's, oh, by the way, we're we're okay with like, you know, cross-sex hormones and, you know, by choice, but, you know, the same people do not want that for pedophiles. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. Chemical well, prostate cast castration, I don't know. I don't know that I could actually get support for that in Congress, but you know, you and I can agree to that. But at the bottom line is these men should never get out of prison again. I absolutely could. I could not agree more. And I'm, I think this is the time for this conversation, especially because in my view, we are going to see in the coming years, a push to normalize mm -hmm. certain of pedophilic behavior. You're and right. So this is the time and we need to get in front of this before it snowballs into an issue that is much more difficult to wrangle. So it is yes. the time for proactive action. Absolutely. That's already happening because right. now the new language and believe me, these, these shifts in language matter because it's how it starts. So no longer do they want to use the word pedophilia 
and even like the American Psychological Association and some of these others are starting to bow to it. Now they're minor, minor attracted persons map and we should feel sorry for them and it's an illness and you know and 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 oh they're just looking they're not doing anything they're not hurting a real kid like you know the thing is that's how it starts right they start with pornography and then it is a real child but it, let's not lose the point that at one point that child was abused those images circulate for years these kids are re re um you know abused uh, electronically over and over again as adults, they're having to deal with the fact that these images are still out there. And, you know, you're right. We're already seeing within the sort of the, the le most leftist psychological, uh, I don't know, the community, right, of, of people who are supposed to know better that, you know, us coming down hard like we're doing today on pedophiles is somehow wrong. Right. No, it's, it's, really concerning and really sad that our society is drifting in that direction. And every Christian should do all they can to get in front of this. They need to be aware that this is the direction in which language is shifting right now mm -hmm. and not be naive about what that shift in language will eventually entail when it comes to policy. Wow. You're so right. So I, let's give people, I love to give people action items and you've given some really great thoughtful ones. Number one, you know, Concerned Women for America is an organization that first prays and you've said the community, the Christian community needs to bond together and pray faithfully for these little children and young women and young men who are being enslaved. We need to make it a prayer point within our churches. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to act. And, you know, I, I am really rethinking some of what we're doing and trying to think about how we really move this forward. And I talked to you already about the abolitionist movement, but I would say come to concernwomen.org, come to our website and sign up to be an abolitionist, and we will send you specific action items to take, pieces of legislation that you need to call your congressman about, things that you can do, you can email about to our State Department, whatever it is, we will let you know what the pathway forward is. But I am over it. We are taking zero tolerance for this anymore. And add to that anything else that you want to share, Becky. And I also want you to tell them about your book. Well, I'm really excited about this new campaign you're starting, and I look forward to supporting it however I can. This is this is the time, and I think people everywhere have a lot that they can be doing to participate in the fight against human trafficking. They just they often just need to know what those things are. So I'm really excited that you'll be handing out those action points to folks. And um, yes, and I have a book coming out. Uh, there's no release date yet, but it will be. Um, primarily focused on what the United States has done internationally to help push other countries to comply with their own anti-trafficking commitments. And uh, it highlights the leadership of the United States. Uh, and it also highlights how trafficking, again, is a political will problem. And often, and unfortunately, until policymakers have something tangible, some type of tangible incentive or some type of tangible, imminent consequence, usually an economic consequence that's coming their way, that's right. they usually are not driven to action. That's not because all governments are apathetic about this issue 
or because anti-trafficking organizations are failing in their in their work. It's just because policymakers have so many issues they they have to prioritize. But there are ways for us to push them to prioritize this issue. So my book yes. is aimed at exposing those immediate push those immediate uh, triggers to to get victims out of their trafficking situations as quickly as possible. Well, I got to say, um, I, I, I know um, Dr. Munson and she is just a brilliant person and writer and boy, wouldn't we love to all be in her classes. And, you know, Dr. Munson is a professor and department chair at Liberty University. So you can follow her there and hopefully sign up for some of her classes, even online. Um, but anyway, it is so great being with you. Keep us apprised of your book. We'll make sure we send it out on social media and uh, let people know when it comes out. We'd love to promote it because I know it's going to be a brilliant and really important information. And also, thank you. We look forward to partnering with you going forward on this just absolutely essential issue. It's a place where the right and the left can link arms and work together as we should. So anyway, I appreciate all you're doing, uh, Dr. Becky. <laughs> It was an honor to be with you today, Penny, and I'm excited about all your organization is doing to fight this issue. So thank you so much for prioritizing this issue. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, bringing you biblical perspectives to today's most pressing issues. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. We pray this episode has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit ConcernWomen.org.